Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whenever you are listening to this, welcome. Uh, the podcast will play in just a moment. I just wanted to do a really quick introduction. So this is one of three podcasts that were recorded before we went into lockdown. We didn't want to lose the podcast because they are really valuable and we had four really great guests on. Uh, this one is with the lovely Lisa Davis. Uh, Lisa talks about her own experience of the corporate world, Lisa's own struggles with mental health, postnatal depression, lessons to live life by, that's really interesting that part, and what is good enough? What do we mean by that? Please enjoy, please keep it in contact, remember that we recorded this before the world went just a little bit crazy. Hey, 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 Kevin Guthrie here talking all things mental health and well-being. Thank you so much for listening to another one of our podcasts. Uh, these podcasts are yours. We record them because we want to break down the stigma attached to mental health and well-being. Hopefully, stigma that is slowly but slowly being eroded and broken away by us talking more and more. We have a guest in the studio. Our guest today is the lovely Lisa Davis. Welcome, Lisa. Hi, Kevin. Thank you for inviting me in. Thank you so much for being here. So, for the listener's purpose, tell the listener what you do. So, uh, I am known as the Chief Inspiration Officer at Get The Edge. Where great I run, title. Yeah, it's great, <laughs> isn't it? Uh, where I run uh, heartfelt leadership retreats. So, that's uh, really about bringing a more soulful, a more heartfelt leadership to the businesses across the UK. Oh, cool. So that's part of my work. Yep. Uh, but I'm also 21 years a therapist. Yep. Uh, and uh, I trained as a therapist as a result of my own personal experience. And I specialise in two areas. One huge passion of mine is mental well-being. Yep. And the other is fertility, pregnancy and birth which are inextricably linked as a result of my own experience. Yeah. That kind of makes more sense when you realise my background yeah. through uh, severe postnatal depression and then moving on to be a therapist. So we, we kind of mentioned this off air a little bit. What, for you, what was, because you know they, they, you'll have heard this before, they quite often refer to us therapists as wounded healers. Mm-hmm. I'm not, yeah, I'm not entirely that. sure I like I like the phrase. I'm not entirely sure I want to own I'm a wounded healer. Uh although we do all have a history what was what was your reasons for uh, picking up the therapy path? I was a very successful uh senior leader in a blue chip organization. Yep. And I fell pregnant, a little surprise parcel as a result of a long week in the Cotswolds. (laughs) And after having my daughter, I immediately realised that something wasn't quite right. Yep. I didn't realise at the time, but within six weeks, I was diagnosed with postnatal depression and it was quite severe. Yeah. I was under the uh, specialist team at Queen's Med. Yep. So under a psychiatrist and a specialist. Uh, postnatal team at, at Queen's Med and that started a journey that was just so unlike me I felt like I was in somebody else's body it was a horrible experience yeah. I then went on back to work in this high-powered very high-stressed environment yeah 
very quickly in fact very quickly I, in fact now i have no idea how i even functioned to do that i mean i couldn't even wash up a cup or yeah. decide what to put on yeah. i was so bad uh, and yet i still managed to get myself into work and i remember my area manager at the time forcing me to take time off and in my paranoia i thought she was trying to get rid of me yeah. now i wish i still had contact with her because i would thank her <laughs> for making me take that time off I moved forward a few, well, about 18 months, I was headhunted to go to another business. And I was in recovery, but I still wasn't really well. Yeah. Uh, but hid it very well in those <laughs> days. Hid it very well. My daughter's 27 now. So Put on a good a mask. time ago. And so I, I hid it very well. Uh, but I was uh, doing a great job that I really, really loved, travelling up and down the country with a small baby and not seeing very much of her and wearing myself out really and I burnt out and I caught a bug like everybody else did in the office but I didn't recover I was told that I'd got post-viral syndrome then chronic fatigue and after six months diagnosed with ME and it was after that off the back of postnatal depression into ME that I discovered holistic therapy my GP was great but all they could do was offer me was antidepressants which I took but then couldn't get off and wasn't really recovering. And one of the symptoms that I had with ME was severe migraines. And I noticed in a little shop window in the village I lived in at the time a sign for reflexology saying it could help with migraines. Yeah. I had about 10 treatments and after five treatments I was completely cured. I uh, didn't need to take medication ever again and was completely cured of ME. And I thought, oh. wow, this is miraculous. And that was my journey to train to be a therapist. Basically to help people that had had the same experience as me or were having the same experience as me. I carried on in the corporate world for a little while longer whilst I trained in many therapies and did it kind of part-time until I was made redundant. And then I started my own holistic therapy centre, which was my first multi-award winning business. That's amazing. What was your, uh, your first bit of training which it would and i'm only asking the question because i'm curious as to which because there are when we think about uh holistic therapies there are many many different types mm. what was the one that drew you in the first the first one was reflexology as right, a result okay. of my own experience yeah. and so i trained in that and tra- i've trained in many therapies since both cerebral therapies and hands-on therapies yeah. and actually still use a combination of both yeah um to support people yeah so uh, and dependent on on you know what the person's needs is that that are in front of me. But so yeah, I use a, a range from the toolkit, and also refer out to people like yourselves where where appropriate. Yeah, you know the uh, the postnatal. Mm-hmm. Do you mind if we look at that a little bit closer? No. Yeah. So I'm I'm going to ask a question that actually I don't know whether you can answer or not. You might be able to, but I certainly don't know what the answer is. Is there any particular understanding of why why it happens? Well, apparently there's a points system in place. <laughs> who, who, who knew? Who knew? <laughs> who knew there was a points system that you can get points? In this case, points don't mean prizes. No, they no. don't. Um, so, yeah, there is a points system in place that if there are certain uh, situations uh, that can predispose you. So my mum had um, postnatal depression after myself okay. and antenatal and postnatal depression yeah. uh, with my sister. Funny 
enough, she didn't get it at all with my brother. Right, okay. Perfectly well, so that's really interesting. Yeah. And maybe something to do with the female hormone combination. Yeah. Um, if you've had any bereavements, I had two bereavements in my uh, year of pregnancy. Right, okay. I have moved house. Um, One of the most stressful things we can do. Most stressful things you could do. Yeah. Um, actually, my husband at the time, my ex-husband now, uh, was living in the northwest and I was living um, at Grantham. Yeah. And we were commuting together and then he eventually moved down. So yeah. he was looking for work. Um Whilst I was pregnant, we were living with my parents and my grandparents. <laughs> so, you know, you could just stack them up and stack yeah. them up and stack them up. So there is a point system that says that actually if you tick all these boxes, you are more likely yeah. to suffer from postnatal depression. Oh, and of course, it was a, a surprise parcel, best surprise parcel yeah. I ever had. <laughs> but, you know, that all of those things together yeah. um, kind of predisposed me to that experience. Did you say then with your story that the, the so the postnatal uh, depression kicked in, then a year or a year and a half later, you got offered, you got headhunted? Yes, yes. So I, I hid it very well, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> so for you, when you look at, back at that point there, on reflection, what what do you think you you could have done in that period there or what might have been your warning signs that you still weren't back to 100% before you took the the headhunter job, so to speak? I think um, I felt a huge pressure to return to work yeah. uh, financially at that time. We just literally, I, we moved into our house three weeks before I gave right. birth to my daughter. So financially, we felt quite pressured for me yeah. to return to work. At that point as well, I was the one with the real career. Yeah. Um, so I was at that time the the major breadwinner. Yeah. So there was lots of pressures to go back to work. I think had I had my time round again, and had I known, I probably would have taken more time out to yeah. have a maternity leave to yeah. return after eight weeks. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there was that as well. I guess uh, I I did I knew right from the moment I'd given birth there was something not quite right at that time. My daughter was born very quickly, very, very quickly. And so they took her away from me to check that she was breathing and things. And they took me down to the ward and they kept her upstairs. So I didn't. she didn't even come Aww. down to the ward with me. And as, this is how poorly I was. At first, I was convinced that they'd given me somebody else's baby, yeah. that they could possibly have given me somebody else's baby. And so it was a bit, little bit odd. I was yeah. very odd. Um, the moment that I knew I was really unwell was I was so exhausted, my then husband said, look, just go to bed. Just go and have a sleep. Yeah. Baby's asleep, just go and have a sleep. And I was so overtired and so overwrought that I woke up in a real panic and walked downstairs. We had an open plan staircase. I can remember it to this day. He dimmed the light switch and was watching The Shining on TV. <laughs> if that's not going to tip you over the edge, what is? That's such a scene, that is. Yeah. Uh, you know where he's on the little three-wheeler bike yeah he is yeah that was the moment that I realized I really wasn't very well um and he rang our local GP who came straight out in those days yeah and said no you've got postnatal depression and you're really not very well so how long did it take to get diagnosed uh I was uh that was six weeks after giving birth they didn't pick it up at first that there was something not quite right um, but yeah, six six weeks later, 
coinciding with my daughter being diagnosed with a heart condition yeah. as well. So th- there's right. lots of things. That, yeah. But I guess what I find today still dealing with ladies um, with similar experiences, although things have moved on, yeah. they've not moved on as far as, as I would hope in 27 years. Yeah. yeah. What would you like to see in place now? I would like to see much much more vigorous screening but not from a point of view of just doing a checklist yeah a much more supportive uh yeah much more supportive approach because i still think there's a lot of stigma attached to mental health in general but certainly in postnatal depression that mums what should be the most happiest time of their life don't feel that way and you know I remember my absolute fear that if I told the psychiatrist exactly what was going through yeah. my head, they would take my baby away. Yeah. And I think that, you know, women that I've dealt with both with um, both antenatally and postnatally with depression, that their fear is still there and they don't feel that they can necessarily talk openly yeah. to um, the medical staff. Thing is, having a having a baby is 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 life changing, absolutely life changing, and there's this massive expectation that everybody's going to be really happy and everything's going to be really joyous, and it's one of the best things that can ever happen. So I, th- I wonder if people, both men and women, struggle to step forward and go, "I'm not feeling this. Some something's not right." And just being that honest and being able to own it and and take it to a safe space where you can explore that. Uh, I've had women coming to me that have been. That are, that are pregnant and, and they'll sit in front of me and go, I feel no joy whatsoever. Mm. And then <clears throat> if they're able to do that and they sit down and go, why, why do I not feel joy? I'm pregnant. I've wanted this for ages. And then we unpick it and break it down, see it, understand it. And then they go, oh, okay. And now I feel happy because they, it's almost like they, they clear some of the way and they clear some of yeah. the stuff out. Uh, so they, But it's that honesty. It's that mm. honesty and expectation. Expectation that... Yes, you're going to be. You, you you should be happy now. Yada yada yada, and then they don't. So they go. It, it, that was the interesting thing. I was absolutely over the moon. Yeah. To have my daughter, yeah. and I, my love for her was all consuming to the point that I didn't think anybody else could take care of her. Nobody yeah. else could hold her. Nobody else could feed her. <laughs> and and therefore, I had you know it, it was just completely unreasonable expectations yeah. Yeah. for myself. Plus, you know. There's something chemical and physical yeah. going on yeah. with this that, you know, I think people who aren't therapists or aren't medically trained don't realise yeah. just because you can't, it's like all mental health, just because you can't see a bandaged arm does not mean to say there isn't something physically and yeah. chemically going on within the body. Absolutely. Um, that is meaning that you're, you just do not function in the same way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. So actually, probably from my point of view, mine was completely the opposite, that I was almost so obsessive but i kind of was away with the fairies and i can say that now quite yeah. honestly that i was not yeah i wasn't i wasn't completely you weren't yourself in the world no yeah no I, I i i kind of think that it's probably worse than i was being diagnosed with but yeah i could hide it yeah, yeah. In, well in that you would look at that point there where you get headhunted being headhunted is a for anybody that has been headhunted, it's like, it's exciting. And it's like, oh my God, they want me. They, it's like massive valid, validation. So anything you may be feeling mentally 
almost get sidelined a little bit for this euphoria of yeah. of, of being headhunted. Well, that- it, yeah, there is there is that as well. I mean, I was I was starting to recover when I when I took uh, took that position. Yeah. But part of it also was as a result of you know I'd said before that my previous boss had said to me, "You must take time off." Yeah. She didn't have children herself, but she'd seen her sister suffer from postnatal depression, so yeah. she could see all the signs. But because I was so paranoid, I was yeah. convinced she was trying to get rid of me. Yeah. And it's only it's only now, 27 years later, I could see that actually she was trying to help me. Yeah. Um, and so part of the fact that I felt like she was trying to out me from my yeah. job, which wasn't true at all, um, made me think, yeah, I've got to take I've got to take this opportunity because actually I'm not as welcome yeah. here as I used to be. They think that there's something wrong with me because I've had this illness. Yeah. Which is not true at all. No. But no, I couldn't cool. see that at the time. If we look at it psychologically, what happens there is your uh, the, the rational part of your brain shrinks a little bit. The uh, fight or flight or the irrational part of your brain is exasperated, and, and a lot of your thinking comes from there mm-hmm. because of and and that's why we use the word paranoid. And we go, I was, I was really paranoid, and actually, you, your your mind is on alert all the time, going mm-hmm. trying yeah. to take your baby away. They're trying to steal the baby again, and, yeah. and stuff like that. Absolutely. It's not true. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of how I found myself to be in a job that I absolutely loved, and yeah. then I was promoted into a, a job that took me all over the country, and I loved it. Yeah. But of course, not only uh, my physical body couldn't stand yeah. stand up to that either. As much as I loved doing what I was doing, and that's when my body kind of went, "Well, stop the bus." Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's it was it was a wake up moment to to take me on the path that I was truly always meant to be on anyway. Yeah. So, moving forward, how do you now manage your own kind of uh, work-life balance? How do you do that? I'm, I am very busy. Anybody who knows me will say that, God, I don't know how you fit it all in, but I am very, very mindful of managing my own energy yeah. and getting that balance. I meditate every day. Yeah. I take time out every day. Uh, I make sure that I have my own therapy yeah. every single month. Mm-hmm. I think, as before we came on air, I said I've been to the chiropractor and the acupuncturist <laughs> this morning, all in one morning. Um, so I, I make sure that I manage my well-being yeah. as a priority because it's a little bit like when you go on an aeroplane, you've got to put your own oxygen mask yeah. on first before you can help anybody else. Absolutely. So if I'm going to do my best work in the world, yeah. I need to look after myself first. So I'm very mindful of doing that. When do you think you learn? Because that that is a really powerful piece of learning. The, the the oxygen. When do you think you learned that? Did you learn it all those years ago? I believe I did. Right. I believe I did. I you know I I would know now if if I was moving towards that place. Yeah. I think if you've ever experienced um, mental um, ill health yeah. or disease in yeah. your mind, yeah, then you recognize the signs um, from there on in and hopefully for most people they will then seek help yeah what do you do for self-care what do i do for self-care well apart from having therapies and going out and walking in nature i journal i journal a lot um i work with um cards and archetypes and journal yeah what I'm seeing in my day and what mirrors that's giving me. Yeah. Uh, as I say, I meditate. So um, a lot of reflection exercises there. I do a lot of reflection. Yeah. A lot of reflection. I find that I gain much growth from reflection yeah. personally. It's different for different people. Yeah. 
um, and spending time with family. Yeah. Reflection is really powerful and also really brave, mm. I, I always think. Uh, I was talking to somebody who said that they often talk to themselves in the mirror, but I literally look at themselves in the mirror as they're having this conversation. And I was listening to it and I was thinking, God, that's really, really brave. And a lot mm. of people, if I said to them, can you just go and talk to that mirror for 20 minutes? They'd be like, no, because it's, it's literally reflection. Uh, but it's a really powerful exercise. And actually journaling is very similar to that in that you download some of your thoughts and feelings and then you have them reflected back if, yeah. if you read them. So it is brave. It's, it's, it's interesting. Um, as you'll know, we run a, a training session after Note Business Club. Yeah. We did a, a wonderful piece at Note Business Club uh, this last week. And I got the people in the room to pick out cards that they were really drawn to. Just images. Yeah. And then ones that they were really didn't like. Yeah. In terms of looking at what were their empowering beliefs about themselves. Yeah. And what were their limiting beliefs about yeah. themselves or the shadow side of that. Yeah. But using imagery as a medium. Yeah. It allows them to bypass the <laughs> conscious the personal, life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and dip into <laughs> that unconscious stuff. Yeah. And then just write it down like a story. Yeah. And so it's a much less. Um, invasive way yeah. of them doing a little bit of self-reflection yeah it, you know it's quite hard to stand and talk to yourself in the mirror i think yeah. you know most people you go really <laughs> but actually just by getting them to look at a picture and say well what's you know what can you see in that yeah. describe the picture story tell about it yeah um and all of a sudden they read that back and they go ah that's interesting yeah so it's kind of a very gentle way of self-reflection as well. So things like that, you know, I, I kind of use with clients or I use for myself. So yeah. sometimes if you're trying to do that consciously, yeah. it's not as easy as allowing no. the subconscious stuff to just... To unfold. Up to the yeah, unfold gently. It's almost like a trickery, trickery pokery. Mm. Look at this picture. It's ever so innocent. <laughs> yeah, but it, you know, we do it with leaders as well, getting yeah. them to, to describe the, you know, what the qualities you admire in yeah. a great leader who you would want to work for, who yeah. you'd want to be around. And we use similar sort of imagery. Yeah. And it, it just really allows them to unpick their values, what's yeah. important to them, how they relate to themselves and other yeah. people. So it can be it can be used on, on, on both ways, both to pull out what we admire, what we aspire to be, but also it can give us little pieces of internal a script that we haven't yet uh, captured hold of consciously. Yeah, or really taken a look at. Yeah. In a really gentle way. Or accepted. Or accepted, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Because there's a lot, of stuff, a lot of stuff there that we uh, might not want to accept. That's a, that's a tough one there. So you enjoy your work? I love what I do. Absolutely love what I do. Um, why? Why do, I, why do I love what I do? Because one of my guiding values is making a difference. Yeah. I want to make a difference in the world. But I want to do that through empowering others rather yeah. than fixing others. Yeah. I, I, as a therapist, I don't fix people. No. I open the door for them to yeah. empower themselves. And that's really, really ingrained in yeah. me. So whether I'm coaching, whether I'm doing therapeutic interventions, whether I'm teaching leadership, it's all through a very, very much a, an empowering yeah. approach. And, and so making that difference that people can live with purpose and passion. People can feel happy and fulfilled in 
their work and their life. Yeah, I, I, I really, I, I value the word uh, empowering. I think it's a really, really strong word. And actually, I think I mentioned it during the presentation on Friday when I, I talked about what was I talking about? Choices, decisions, blame. I was talking about blame, and then when we, what I said was when we blame others. Uh, we disempower ourselves. Mm. It's really important that we are able to see that everything is solvable from the inside, because yeah. then we then we empower ourselves through that. I encourage I encourage the people that I work with, whether that is in the team of people that I work with, whether that's in business or whether that's in a therapeutic session, session to follow the four agreements. Okay. Uh, what are the four agreements? The four agreements of um, Don Miguel Ruiz. Yep. Uh, first one is always be impeccable with your word yeah so use your word to speak kindly of others and yourself yeah second is never take anything personally yeah anything anybody else does or says is a projection of their own internal yeah reality really is and the third one is never make assumptions (laughs) yeah so always ask high quality questions because you're only one great question away from your best ever life experience yeah and the fourth one is to always do your gentle best. Yeah. So in the actual book by um, uh, Don Miguel Ruiz, he says always do your best. But, I, you know, one of my mentors always says always do your gentle best because yeah. your best is going to change from moment to moment. Whether yes. you feel well or you yeah. feel unwell, whether you're tired, whether you're full of energy, whether you've had some lunch, whether you haven't, it's going to change from moment yeah. to moment. Yeah. So always do your gentle best so yeah. i think if you were to follow those four agreements yeah. that they could make a massive difference to your life and your work yeah and such such small and, and simple agreements that uh that can make that difference mm. you just take the first one alone always be impeccable with your word you know yeah. that you're not sort of dissing anybody else yeah. but more importantly that you're speaking kindly to yourself yeah yeah, that part there is is. I think if we can speak kindly to ourselves, then we can speak kindly to other people. Yeah, but it's only <laughs> agreement number two. Don't take anything personally. Yeah, anything that's other than that is just your own personal projections of what's going on in your inner world yeah. out onto your outer screen. I think sometimes that one for a lot of people is, and again, I think I touched this on on Friday. It's it's really hard for people to mm. see. It's well, I think it's really hard for people to see because because I think our mind is so conditioned to survival that it doesn't want to see us as not perfect mm. and the truth is we are not perfect and yeah. we 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 can only ever be uh, kind of good enough which i think feeds into you be your gen, uh, gentle your gentle best gentle yeah. best yeah from my interpretation of that is is good enough mm. have i done the very best that i can in that situation as yeah. good as i can do not as good as bob or as good as Mary, but as good as I can do. Yeah. And if you can answer yes, then for me, that's that's contentment. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So uh, it is very, very hard for us sometimes to see that we are not perfect. But if we can accept that, then all of a sudden we, we grow. I, I completely agree. That's my sentiments exactly. Yeah. I think that's where growth comes from, from that, that realisation that to... Uh, to be human is to err. Is that? Is yeah. that? Yeah. You know, we're not. We're not perfect. We're all. We're all uh, having this life experience and learning every step of the way. Human beings live in a human experience, and and of course, perfection is invented, uh, exasperated by social media. We've talked a lot mm-hmm. on here about social media, but it really is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Because it that you know so many masks are worn, aren't they? Yeah. 
you know, out there in the world. That's the other thing that I always encourage people to be is just be yourself. Yeah. Be you, do you. You know, there's, there's no need to be anything else but, you know, do your gentle best. Yeah. 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 Find, find your authentic being. Mm-hmm. And again, sometimes that's really difficult. I think it's, you know, one of my... One of my biggest thrills in therapy is when people walk in and go, I have no idea who I am. Yeah. Or, or I just feel really lost. And, and yeah. I'm not sure if it's wrong that I get excited over that, but I look at it and go, oh, that's amazing. Because they have gotten to the point where they want to. They want to find themselves or they want to find their authentic selves or they want to find their purpose. And then I get, I'm like, oh, this is amazing. I love this. I love those kind of journeys when we start looking at all of the labels that have been stuck on us and we start stripping them away one by one and, and revealing self. Absolutely. One of the first things that we do on our leadership retreats, so back into the leader stuff, the heartfelt leaders, is we look at something called the behaviour triangle and we look at, you know, how does our free flow and behaviour in the world show up? What's underneath that? Yeah. Um, you know, we dig down into feelings and emotions and attitudes and beliefs yeah. and values. And then we get to the conditioning piece and we do a lot of storytelling to kind of... Um, show how yeah. that shows up and all of those labels that you ke- keep getting given until yeah. they're a tattoo yeah and then we live them yeah uh, you know we all have a choice we tell the story of the twin story yeah doctor have you heard of the no. twin story dr william penfold uh, did a piece of work on the phenomenon of twins that yeah. if one person one twin hurts themselves in one part of the world the other twin will have a sixth sense yeah. that there's something it. wrong uh, and the, the story goes, don't know how true this is, I believe it's true, that he interviewed sets of twins. And he interviewed this one set of twins. Uh, he went to see him and he was kind of down and out, hard on his luck, couldn't hold down a relationship, couldn't hold down a job. Yeah. And he told the story of when he was uh, a young child living with his, his mum and his brother, that his dad was quite a, a bully of a man. He would be violent towards his mother. And one day his mother said, you know, enough is enough. Um, I'm taking you away from all this. I think he'd come home late, demanded his food on the table. He'd started to be violent towards the mother and the two boys were about 12. He'd thrown one against the wall and broken his arm and knocked the tooth out of the other brother. And so telling this story to Dr William Penfold, he said, you know, my mum took us away. I've never seen my dad to this day. With how I was brought up, how did you expect me to turn out? Yeah. And then he goes to see the other brother who has done very well for himself in yeah. life, has got a beautiful relationship, beautiful children, he's a solicitor, um, and a, you know, a partner in a practice, tells him exactly the same story and said, well, you know, with the upbringing I had, how did you expect yeah. me to turn out? So, you know, we kind of say that, yes, your conditioning is your conditioning, but it doesn't have to be the roadmap for your life from here on no. in. Um, so, and we talk about how the mind works. We talk about the conscious mind and the subconscious mind and the DNA of a thought and a yeah. feeling. So we're doing this with leaders and it's kind of, they go, wow. Yeah. Um, all to the ends of, as a leader, one of their key roles is to protect the self-image of everybody who works with them. Yeah. Because, you know, there are so many unhappy people suffering from stress, anxiety, depression in the workplace. And often it is exacerbated by poor leadership. Yeah. So whether I'm in the therapeutic setting or I'm in a leadership setting, my passion is still the same. Yeah. That we should treat each other with love and kindness. Yeah. The thing is, it's all all the same 
it's all this for me it's all the same ethos when people look at so i might deliver into might delivering one-to-one stuff or i might be in in, in a large corporation delivering stuff it's all the same stuff Absolutely. just delight delivered into a, a different setting yeah. that's that's all and sometimes yeah. people don't grasp that and i'm like well i know what i know there because i know what, and I, they just feed each other it's the nature of being human yes yeah and it doesn't matter whether we're in a personal life or work life we're all humans interacting with one another yeah so it's it's when you bring it down to it, it's it's the people, yeah. regardless of the setting. Do you think leaders are getting it anymore now? Do you see a do you see a shift in more and more leaders getting it? Companies and certainly the leaders that we work with. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, that of course that varies, um, but I would say the vast majority yes. But yeah. it's those people that want to engage with us. They yeah. kind of get who we are and how we go about things, and they see the results of working in a heartfelt way yeah. that ultimately hit the bottom line. Yeah. And they want to work with us, but there are still those that are still of the old mind of command and control. Yeah. And um, Wonderful. Small and, <laughs> you know, that sadly, I think I read a, it was about two years ago, I read a report in the metro in London and mm. they said that 85% of people in London were unhappy in wow. their jobs as a result of poor management. That's massive. That's massive. Can you imagine getting up to go to work every day and hating what you do because Never. of the people who are managing you? I mean, yeah, I think that's, I think that's really sad. I couldn't do it. Do you, do you get people stepping forward and going, it's okay, we're, we're, we're done with this, we're sorted, we've, uh, we've got some mental health first aiders on board we've, we've trained some have you got people doing that yeah um i mean oh. we'd certainly advocate having as much training and much awareness yeah. as you can as a part of as a part of as not part of a bigger only, picture yeah not the only part of the picture because it's it's not something you turn on and turn off it's a way of being yeah. with one another in business yeah always every day yeah so like, it's, 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 it has to for me it has to be sewn in, into the culture yeah and, and that's kind of when we're working with businesses. That's what we're doing. We we are helping them shift their culture. Yeah. Um, and you know, for any business people listening out there, hey, guess what? It makes you more money. You know, well, absolutely. It does. Bottom line, it does. It, it does. If if we can if we can empower our team, if we have a team of ten, twenty, thirty, forty, or a hundred, we can empower them, make them feel more valued make them feel more worthwhile then they're going to be more productive they are they'll, get, they'll give that discretionary effort they yeah. will, you know if they're in alignment if their own personal values values are in alignment with the business values and what the business culture stands yeah. for they're going to want to stay they're not going to want to leave they're going to want to do their best work for you yeah it it, it, it sounds so simple when you say it but you know it's, it's crazy that people don't get that yeah from my point of view and it has to be led by people that believe yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, you know, we have had instances in the past where, you know, senior leaders will say, well, it, it, it's those people, those middle managers yeah. that need the development. No. Um, and then they realise, actually, no, we all need to be yeah. shifting together. Yeah. Um, and when that, you know, when everybody is heading in the same direction yeah. with the same values and ethics yeah. and beliefs about how we should work together yeah. you know, in, a, in a business then it, then it really works because anybody that's not is just going to slow down the process and, mm. and kind of drag it back yeah 
But right. I mean, it's joyful when when they're all singing and going in the same direction. Yeah, uh, it, it really is joyful to see to see the results. Uh, you know, and people will say that it's life changing. Yeah, it's life changing. I always, if I'm delivering into business, I always do this thing where I go, you know, what we're about to learn is firstly about you as individuals and i want you to know that because i want you to take this away and and sew it into the rest of your world this is not work-based stuff however your work have paid for me to be here and actually as you become uh more rounded and, and you develop more growth you will naturally bring that back into the business and that's why the business pay, pay me to be here. Yeah. But I want you to know in the first instance, because you get this thing, I don't know if you've ever had it, where people will be sat with their arms folded going, oh, what's he going to say to us now? What's he going to deliver? And be light can... and fluffy stuff, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, woo-woo stuff. He's going to talk about woo-woo stuff. Uh, and you can see the resistance in the room. That's why I say to them, no, this is about you. This is about you as individuals. Let's, take away, let's, let's kind of uh, embrace that firstly and then take it away because you can take this into any part of your life you want to. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it, yeah. And well, then they begin to hear it, and they yeah. and the barrier comes down, and then they'll they'll learn. Of course, the business does; it will develop, it will grow. That does happen. Uh, but we we the, sometimes you just find your way in there. Yeah, uh, we've we, you know I, I, we had an MD who will remain nameless, <laughs> no names, no pack drills. Um, who who came off the first three days of the retreat that we do in the ancient woodlands and he said well you know i have to say i thought i might leave a better leader but i'm leaving a better man and nice. that for me was like yeah it doesn't get any better than that powerful does not get any better than and that. to be a better man he will be a better leader naturally it will just happen yeah absolutely lisa thank you so much for being here we've come to the end of our recording <laughs> Quick. It, does. it does it does go so quickly we could sit here and talk for ages uh, is there anything that you would like to leave the listener with any little golden nuggets yes the one that springs to mind right now right here would be always do what makes your heart sing and spirit soar yeah I like that because that actually calms the mind doesn't it mm. yeah a little bit of heart math there yeah absolutely if you don't know what heart math is google it yeah uh or listen to another podcast. I've talked about it loads. No, I like that. It's it's really important. And we, we talk about the head and the heart. And I always say, no, follow your heart. Mm. Follow your heart because it's really, really important. It's really so empowering. You can get those three centres of consciousness in alignment, the head, the heart and the gut. Yeah. You're rocking. Yeah, you really are. Thank you so much for being here. Thank that was, you that so was, much that for was, asking that me. That was brilliant. Uh, I'm absolutely sure that, uh, that some of that will resonate with people and... Like I said earlier, we're just getting people talking. Talking more and more about some of this woo-woo stuff. And I need to stop using that phrase because it's not woo-woo stuff. This is real. It's real. This is real. Thank you so much for listening to another one of our podcasts. If you have a story to tell, either professionally or personally, then please get in touch with us. You can find me at Go Through Therapy or you can contact the radio station direct. Uh, all the details will be on Google google it so i'm going to go now remember look after yourself be very very kind and respectful to yourself and to everybody around you take care people bye bye